So, all right, let's turn the word of God to John 14. John 14. Turn there. And uh, just a reminder, even though we're in February, if uh, you need a Bible reading schedule, it doesn't matter what year, uh, what time of the year you start it, but if you need that or just to keep up, we still have some of those. All right, John 14, and we'll just read the first three verses. John 14, verses 1 through 3, say this in the Word of God. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Let's pray. Father, we just uh, praise you. And Lord, we thank you that we can follow the footsteps of Jesus. He leadeth me. The Lord is my shepherd. And you desire to lead us and to guide us. And uh, Lord, if we'll just walk in your footsteps, Lord, how much better life will be. And may that be our desire. Lord, we thank you for our children. Lord, we pray for our young people, again, that each one would be saved at the youngest age possible. And that at a young age, they would, Lord, have a desire and a heart for you. We think of in the Bible people like uh, Samuel, Lord, that uh, had a, got a heart for you at a young age and walked with you all the days of their life. And we certainly desire that for the young people of this church. Well, we thank you for uh, the parents that are faithful to bring them uh, here to the house of God and grandparents that set an example and uh, uh, pray uh, for them. And so, Lord, I pray you'd help us as a church, Lord, to follow your example and to be an example. Uh, Lord, to those that are around us. Again, we pray for those that are here today. We pray for those that are listening in. Lord, you know the need of every heart. No doubt there's somebody here or somebody listening. Lord, that's not saved. Lord, what a great day it would be, Lord, to see that person's heart opened. And Lord, see them put their trust in the death, burial, resurrection, and shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, again, we pray for the physical, the financial, uh, the domestic, Lord, uh, needs of our people and those uh, that we, uh, Lord, uh, are in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Help us through thy word. Amen. So as we look at these uh, verses, just especially verse 1 there, he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, these verses, of course, uh, most of us uh, could probably quote them. And these, I would think these have to be some of our favorite verses in the Bible, because in these first few verses of John 14, right, you find verses of hope, amen, that uh, he's coming again, verses of encouragement, verses of promise, and of course, uh, exciting uh, truths, especially you get down here, uh, other verses in this chapter. But uh, one of the things, at least to me, that make these verses so wonderful is not just the fact that he said them. Of course, it's uh, wonderful that he said, hey, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Hey, that's wonderful to know. Hey, uh, there's uh, mansions. I know we had that song, I'm Satisfied, which is the cottage below. Listen, I'm sorry, I just like that. I always said, you know what? I think they should just take that verse out of that stance. I know few people, they might live in a cottage, but I don't know too many people that are satisfied with a cottage below. I know that sounds good, but hey, thank the Lord on the other side, we have a mansion. Look, 
to, I know when people try to say, well, you know, that, that really means many rooms. Well, I'm like, well, what's a mansion have? It has many rooms. That's what makes it a mansion, right? But uh, we have that to look forward to. <laughs> That's wonderful. I mean, it's wonderful. He says, hey, listen, you believe God, you can believe in me too. I mean, what's he saying? He's saying, listen, well, that I'm God. That's what he's saying right there. Right there, he's confirming his deity. <laughs> So again, but to me, one of the things that makes these so wonderful, again, not just that Jesus said them, and we're glad he did, but it's when he said them. It's when he said them that makes them uh, so wonderful. And when were they spoken? When were these verses? They were spoken right after Peter received very negative news about himself. Right here, he has one of his disciples in front of him. That, you know, a moment ago, he was kind of boastful, but all of a sudden, man, the Lord sort of shoots him down with reality. You know, sometimes the Lord has to shoot us down with reality, right, about what's going to happen. And, uh, and we see this. Just look up a few verses, beginning verse 36 of uh, chapter 13. And we, so we sort of get the context in which these verses were said. I mean, we look at it in the own, we go, man, wow, that's great. But look at the uh, disciple who he was, of course, they were for everybody, but that he was focusing on at the time. Verse 36 of chapter 13, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go, thou canst not follow me now. But he let him know he's going to follow him later. You can't follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, boy, here's Peter again. Amen. Like they say, he's one of those guys that uh, he just opened his mouth to switch feet. Amen. You ever feel like that? I feel like that sometimes. Peter said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Boy, it's so easy to be bold for God in church. Right? Where are they at? Right? This is at the, uh, the, the last Sunday. It's always it's easy to, you know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Right? It's easy to quote Romans 1.16 when you're in church, when you're in America. When you're not facing anything, well, it's easy to be bold when Jesus is standing right in front of you. But soon, right, what's he say? But Jesus said, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily I say unto thee, the cock shall not grow, crow till thou hast denied me thrice. So Peter gets bold and says, I will. And Jesus sort of looks at him and says, oh, you will, will you? Well, let me fill you with a little reality that's about to happen. We see this same story, of course, and uh, look at it over in Luke 22. Turn over to Luke 22, where we see this same story and uh, get a little bit more of what, what happened there. Luke 22, verses uh, 31 through 34, say this. Luke 22, beginning verse 31 says, here it is again. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you. Why? That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, here it is again, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. Verse 34, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, here it is again, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. So we see here, Peter says again in verse 33, and he said, Lord, I am ready. Well, that's a bold statement. Lord, I'm ready. You just, you just say the word. You just, hey, listen, I am ready to go with thee, both into present and to death. That word ready means prepared. You know, overconfidence 
is not a good trait for a believer. <laughs> Overconfidence in self is not a good trait for a believer. Now, we know when it comes to salvation, we know we are completely dependent upon the Lord for salvation. Oh, listen, I didn't have nothing to do with my salvation. Hey, I know that, listen, uh, 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 salvation is all of God. It's all of grace. Man, all I did was believe. Boy, uh, Jesus did everything. I had nothing to do with my salvation. We know that's true, that we're completely dependent upon him when it comes to salvation. But often as believers... Right, We forget that we're also completely dependent upon him for the life we live as a Christian. As believers, we must also realize not that, that uh, we were completely dependent upon him for salvation, but we are completely dependent upon him for the life we would live right, as a Christian down here. We as believers must realize the Christian life is also no trust in self, no confidence in in self, because the Christian life is not us, again, living for Christ, though we use that term, right? But we must understand what we mean by that. But it's more about allowing Christ to live through us. That's what the Christian life is. We talk about living for the Lord and nothing wrong with using those terms if we understand what we mean by that. But really, the Christian life is about Christ living through us. Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. There it is. I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. Right? Christ in you, the hope of glory, the Bible says. And here it is. And the life which I now live in the flesh. Well, question what is the life you now live in the flesh? What is the life you now live? He says right here, the life which I now live. So I got to say, well, what is the life that I now live? The Christian life. That's what I want to live. As a believer, I want to live the Christian life. I want to follow, that song goes right with it, I want to follow the footsteps of Jesus. Hey, Christ has saved me and the desire of my heart. I hope we can say this. The burning desire of my heart is to follow the, in the footsteps of Jesus. Is, right, is this. That I want to live that life. The life which I now live in the flesh it says what? What's the rest of that verse say? I live by the faith of the Son of God. See, not only we, we, we got saved by putting our faith in the Son of God, but we live the Christian life by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Christian life is me out of the way and him flowing through. So here we see Jesus revealed weakness in Peter's life. Boy, listen, you, you should want God to reveal your weakness. I often, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I've said it often here. One of the greatest days of my life is when I realized how weak I was. And that will, and not only that, willing to admit it. Right? <laughs> listen, uh, you can still be a you know, real man. I know you're not supposed to say that, but you can still be and, and admit your weakness. That's part, I think that's part of being a real man, being willing to admit your weakness. Jesus revealed weakness in Peter's life, but he did it. Why? Because his goal was that he might strengthen him and teach him, right, that Peter would learn not to trust in self, not to trust in self. 
And so that's what God wants to do in our life. God must bring us to the end of ourselves, like he was doing with Peter. Bring us to the end of ourselves so that we know that we, right, are completely trusting him alone, not only for salvation, but for the life which we now live. So he tells him right up front here. Look at verse 31. He says, you need to notice something, Simon, Simon. (laughs) Behold, notice this phrase. Satan hath desired to have you. Satan hath desired to have you. You know what? This morning, each one of you, Satan desires to have you. Believer, he already has the lost. But you know what? You're sitting here this morning. You're saved. You're in church. Thank the Lord or you're listening in. And right now, Satan desires to have you. What does that phrase mean? That phrase means this, to claim back for oneself, to claim back for oneself. Satan is not happy that you got saved. Satan is not happy that you got saved. Satan is not happy that you want to serve Jesus. Hey, I'm glad you are, and I'm I'm glad I'm saved, and I'm excited about that, but we have that enemy, and he's not excited. He's not glad that we got saved. He's not glad that we want to serve Jesus. So he says, listen, Peter, you made that. I came by that day, and I said, follow me, and boy, immediately you jumped up, all right, and you began to follow me, and uh, you've gotten saved, and you're out here uh, being a fisher of men, and you're out here serving me, but I want you to know even though you're no longer in Satan's family, which you are before you get saved, right? Right? Satan hasn't forgot about you. He's been paying attention about the great effort you've made to serve me. And so you know what he wants to do? He wants to sift you. Now, the word used here for sift means this, to prove by trials and afflictions, (laughs) right? Satan wants to bring some trials and afflictions into your life. The word means to agitate. Remember that word, to agitate. Now, of course, he says sifting is wheat, and we know what sifting means when we think about that. Sifting means this, to separate by a sieve. That's where you take the fine part or the good part of a substance, and you want to separate it from the coarse or bad part of the substance, such as wheat. You want to separate the good part from the bad part. That's what sifting is. Remember that, separating the good part from the bad part. And so we need to realize when we got saved, Peter, when you got saved and you began to follow me, and it's true for each one of us that are saved sitting here today, you became a target of Satan when you determined to follow Christ. But that's okay. We don't have to be afraid of that. We don't, that, that, that should not put fear, right? That should not put fear. It should make us want to pay attention. It should make us be alert. It should make us, right, live in a conscious awareness of that, but it shouldn't make us be afraid. We don't have to live in fear as believers. See, again, when wheat is sifted, he said, I want to sift you as wheat. When wheat is sifted, right, the chaff is taken away from the grain. Again, break this down, make it simple. In other words, that part that cannot be used or shouldn't be used, the chaff, is separated from the part that can be used. So we're separate. Think about that thought. We're separating from what can't be used or what isn't useful. We want to separate what isn't useful and separate that which is useful. You see, when Jesus works in our life, when he allows things to come in our life, what is he doing? 
Even he sifts us. He wants to remove that which is not useful, that which uh, is about the flesh, that which is about the world. He wants to he wants that which is not useful for the Christian life, that which is not useful for a testimony of one that wants to serve God. He wants to get that out of the way. He wants to separate that which is useful to him when he work in our lives. He wants to remove that which is not useful and he wants to leave only that which is useful in our lives, only that which glorifies him, only that which can be used, amen, to his honor and glory. That's what he does when he works in our life. But Satan, he wants the opposite. He wants to do the opposite. When Satan attacks, when Satan comes to sift, what does he want to do? Oh, he wants to separate the useful from the unuseful, <laughs> but he wants to keep, right? He wants to get rid of the useful. He does the opposite. Christ wants to uh, 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 highlight the useful in our life, but Satan wants to get rid of the useful, for our Christian life and only highlight what is not useful or beneficial to our Christian life. He does that, right? He comes by and he says, oh, you don't need that prayer life. What, what do you need that for? Hey, let's get rid of that. Hey, you don't need that old archaic book. No, let's get rid of that. You don't need that, that old book in your life. Hey, you don't need to hang around those hypocrites. What are you doing hanging around uh, those hypocrites? You don't need those things in your life. He said, here, let me do some sifting in your life. Satan comes by and says, and blah, blah, blah. He goes on and tries to get rid of the useful things in our life. So Peter, Christ allowed Peter and brings us into his life and says, Peter, before the night's over, right? You're going to deny me thrice. And we see, we know that that happens in his life and he's devastated. It says he goes out and weeps. So Christ allows Peter to hit rock bottom, if you will. He allows Peter to hit rock bottom, rock bottom. But you know what? Sometimes that can be a good place for a believer when God's trying to work in his life, because when a, when, when a believer hits rock bottom, sometimes that's what it really takes for him to really realize that Jesus is the rock and he completely, he can completely depend upon him. And so God has allowed these things in Peter's life and God has allowed things in your life. Why? Again, to bring you to himself and to empower you for his service. Right. To get rid to help get rid of those things which are not useful to you, which are not beneficial to your Christian life, which uh, aren't good for your testimony. Right. And bring to the forefront. Amen. That which benefits you and that which is brings honor and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ as he works in your life. Now, if you're not saved, Satan is doing all he can to prevent you from getting saved. Right? If you're saved, he's going to prevent all he do to hinder your service. But if you're not saved, Satan is doing all he can to prevent you from getting saved. What do you think about that? If you're not saved this morning and then an opportunity comes, like when we have an invitation at the end of church and says, man, if you're not saved, listen, uh, who's the only person that would want to stop you from coming forward and putting your trust in Jesus Christ? Well, God's not going to try and hinder you. God's not going to tell you to put it off. He's the one that gave his life for you. Right? Those in church are not going to tell you to put it off. They're the ones that are praying for you to get saved. It's only Satan. Satan's the only one that would want to hinder you from getting saved and coming to the Lord. 
And so the Lord looks at Peter and says, now look at this. He, he says, Peter, he says, Satan, he wants to mess up your testimony. He wants to mess up your life. And listen, before this night's over, you are going to deny me thrice. Boy, that, I imagine that Peter's heart just uh, sunk when the Lord said that to him. But then, right after the Lord tells him that, the next words are, what a wonderful thing. Peter, even though this is actually going to happen, I want to tell you one more thing. Let not your heart be troubled. That word trouble means stirred up, disturbed with various emotions, such as fear, questions, doubt. It means to be agitated. What does it mean? When uh, Satan comes by and wants to sift you, it means to be agitated. And then the Lord turns around and says, but you know what? Let not your heart be agitated. Let me ask you a question. Have you been agitated at all this week? <laughs> Anything? Did you have some things come to your life that, that uh, agitated you? A couple of times I felt, uh, uh, I felt like, man, if I, if I didn't turn this thing over to the Lord, I was starting to get uh, agitated. Now, husband and wife, don't look at each other when I said that. Just joking. Have you been agitated at all this week? Well, listen, the Lord doesn't want you to be agitated. Then that's what the devil's going to do. He's going to bring things. He's going to use things in your life, situations in your life, people in your life. Listen, uh, uh, listen. if we get agitated at the people we're supposed to love the most, we're sure going to get agitated about other things. Boy, he wants to keep you agitated and stirred up and, and messed up, and he doesn't want you to have your focus and your, on your Christian life. He doesn't want you to have your focus on winning people, Lord. He wants to keep your mind on everything else. Anything he can do to keep you agitated and stirred up, that's what Satan wants to do in your life. And I guarantee you, right, a lot of you are saying, yep, a lot of things are going in my life. And you know what? I'm focused on situation. I'm focused on circumstance. I'm focused on this. And I'm not focused, amen, on letting God be seen and glorified in my life. I'm agitated. Well, the Lord says, let not your heart be agitated. Let not your heart be troubled. And then in, in, in Luke 22 here, right, God gives him some very good, even though he tells him this is going to happen. In uh, John 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. But we see in uh, Luke 22, not only do you say, let not your heart be troubled, he gives him some clear uh, things that he can hold on to so that his heart doesn't have to be troubled, even with what's getting ready to happen in his life. Because he goes on, he says, why? Well, listen, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. Listen, he wants to have control of you again, right? In your life. You can't lose your salvation. He can't stop you from going to heaven. But listen, he can keep you agitated so that you're not fit for service. But listen, verse 32. But I've got some news for you, Peter. And this is also news for us. I've prayed for thee. Thank God. Amen. He's praying for you. And we know that the Lord ever liveth to make intercession for us. So one, why, listen, no matter what's going on in my life this week, this day, I don't have to be troubled. I don't have to be agitated because I know my Savior is praying for me. He ever liveth to make intercession for me. And what's one of the things he's praying? That thy faith fail not. Listen, he's praying for you that you're faithful not, and that your faith will be strengthened. Even though in myself, I feel, as, I feel as weak as a man can feel. But yet, amen, if I lean on Jesus spiritually, when this is over, I'll be strengthened. 
So not only, listen, have I prayed for you, not only when you come out of this, will you be stronger? He makes this statement, when thou art converted. That word converted means to be restored, to return from error. So here's a good thing. Listen, even though that's going to happen, you can be encouraged. Your fellowship can be restored. This has nothing to do with salvation, right? Because salvation, this is what people need to realize, salvation, again, is a position in Christ. Your position in Christ can never change. Once you're saved, that's, that's why people say, oh, you can lose it. No, you've been given that position, saved, and that position can never change. But what can change your fellowship is your daily interaction with Christ. That's what can be affected. And so listen, despite the fact that this is going to happen, despite the devil's going to come by and cause some agitation in your life, you need to know I'm praying for you. You need to know when this is all over, amen, you'll be stronger spiritually. You need to be right over that no matter what happens in your life, amen, you can be, you can be restored, right? Our fellowship can be what it's always been. And then not only that, he says this, right? Strengthen thy brethren. Listen, and know this, listen, despite what's going to happen, I still want to use you. I still want to use you. Boy, that's one of the most wonderful things that God doesn't give up on us. I've said it before, when things uh, happen in my life and I feel like life's got me beat down and uh, uh, try, uh, devil's trying to get me discouraged and trying that, uh, Romans eleven twenty nine. I read it again yesterday, which says, the gifts and calling of God without repentance. Peter, despite what's going to happen, I haven't changed my mind about you and what I want to do in and through your life. And that's a wonderful thing. Hey, something might happen in our life. We might get away from the Lord or something, but thank God we can be restored. And two, Lord will meet us right where we're at and pick things up and he'll continue to want to use us in his life. So when things happen, listen, don't let your heart be troubled. The Lord is praying for you. He can, he'll eat what the devil that means for bad. God can use for good to strengthen your faith and that no matter what happens, you can be restored. No matter what happens, right? When you get, when you're, once you're restored, he still wants to use you. And then back to John 14, why did he say, let not your heart be troubled? He went on to say, you believe in God, believe also in me because I'm God. And as it says over there in 1 John, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And also don't let your heart be troubled because you are heaven bound and nothing can change your future. Nothing can change your future. Boy, some things might happen to sort of change your present and what's going on there, but we have the promise that no matter what happens, nothing can change our future. Our salvation is secure in Jesus Christ. Our future is secure in Jesus Christ. And if we'll trust him when these things happen, amen, our present can be secure in Jesus Christ. So remember this, when you feel like, uh, Peter, when you're at your weakest, when you feel like you've blown it, have you ever felt that way in your Christian life? Sure, I have some days where I am my day, I am my, I am my day and I'm like, Lord, man, when you feel like you've blown it, the Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. And says, Lord, you, you use you to strengthen the brother. You see, our natural tendency is to try to weaken others, Right? But God wants to use us to realize we're weak and then use us, despite our weakness, to strengthen others and be a blessing and encouragement to others. See, God shows us how weak we are and changes our heart to be used 
to strengthen others. Let me ask you this. Do you see yourself as one that goes around trying to weaken others or strengthen others? That will tell you a lot about yourself. So as we finish up here, remember this. God desires for us to be strong in the Lord that we might help others. Satan desires to weaken those that purpose to follow Christ and ruin our testimony. But again, right, the Lord says, don't let your heart be troubled. When you're feeling weak, rest in my faithfulness, rest in my strength, and I'll carry you through. We must realize our weakness, and just like we lean on Jesus completely for salvation, we must lean on him completely for our service to him in Christian life. And again, rejoice, your Savior is praying for you. So I ask you this morning, do you need to be saved? Boy, today, today, listen, Satan desires what? To hold you back and stop you from getting saved. But listen, friend, don't listen to him. Listen to Jesus Christ as he says, come today and be born again. Do you need to be restored? Maybe something happened this week and you got agitated. And, and, and maybe you made some uh, decisions and in some way you denied uh, your savior and wasn't the witness that you should have been. Well, today you can be restored to that fellowship. Or maybe uh, you're feeling weak and you just need to be strengthened today. Listen, whatever's going on, listen, the Lord says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus Christ is here to give you what you need. If it's salvation, if it's restoration, or as I often say, continuation, whatever you need in Jesus Christ, you can get it today. Let's pray.